Hey everybody, welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. I'm your host, Nate Kelly, a recovering alcoholic seven years from my last drink, a recovery mentor and podcast producer. I am so grateful to be bringing you these powerful stories of recovery told by you, those who live them. Please share this podcast with anyone who may need it today. And with that, let's open the diary on episode 101. Welcome back to the Sobriety Diaries. I am so excited for today's chat. A friend of mine who I've yet to meet in person, but I will one of these days. We've worked together on several projects outside of sobriety, but have been sort of waiting to chat, I guess, and learn more about each other's recovery. I'm so excited to chat with my friend, Alexis. Alexis, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. We've been like waiting for this to happen. And I was going over my content schedule or calendar last week. And I said, okay, it's time to record. Let's do it. So here we are. I want to start a bit with your platform. You're almost like this kind of social justice advocate. You are deep diving. You're looking for the truth about potentially controversial stories in the media. Tell me how your TikTok following came about and what your platform looks like today. As an addict alcoholic, something that I love or have been very comfortable with in my life has been chaos, right? Uh, When I was young, I had a lot of chaos. Uh, When I was in my 20s and drinking and using, I had a lot of chaos. Um, and when I was brand new in recovery, I also created a lot of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and what I have found is with TikTok and these uh, videos and going after people and whatever, that it fe- fills that need for chaos in a way and confrontation and not even confrontation, but that, uh, that desire to fight for something in a very constructive, healthy way that doesn't impact my daily life. So that need has definitely been met through TikTok and I didn't um, seek it. It just sort of came. I didn't expect this to happen, Um, but here we are. (laughs) And, um, And I think I've always been the type of person to, you know, when there is somebody being bullied on the playground, I would stand up for them. Um, I would always kind of fight for what is right for me. And um, and when I see this injustice in the world, I would stand up for it. And that was very ingrained in, um, in my upbringing. My, my dad is very much like that. Um, He would always tell, talk to us about how he was bullied as a kid and how you know, if you don't stand for something, then you fall for anything. And yeah, it just sort of comes naturally for me. That's great. Yeah, I was going to say not confrontational necessarily, but dialogue. And I think bringing awareness to things. um, Yeah, in a way that helps other people to your point. Yeah, I've been very um, involved since 2012 in Vancouver. Uh, with the overdose awareness and um, abstinence-based recovery. And, um, you know, in our system here, it's uh, it's a four-pillar approach, which one 
pillar is harm reduction and it's sort of very much gone into the one pillar approach in yeah. Vancouver where because we are a hub for overdose and for drug abuse and we're a port city and we're very much like San Francisco very much like LA um, and we have a lot of uh, unhoused population and people on the streets so um, we I fight for abstinence to be a viable option for long-term sustainable recovery that you don't just need to give out free drugs. We give out free drugs here. Yeah. Almost like a machine, like, right. And, uh, and that, uh, you know, that there's a place for drug testing and harm reduction and, and opiate replacement therapy and all of that good stuff. But there's also room for abstinence and that abstinence saved my life. Why don't you tell us a bit more about your personal journey so we can kind of understand where that passion comes from and how your journey has gotten you to this place of, you know, you're on the helping side as opposed to asking for help. So I got into recovery when I was 17. When I was in high school, I got really heavily addicted to drugs through the rave scene. Um, and uh, I loved going to music and just a part of that was a lot of drugs so is it um, mostly meth or opiates uh, it was, or oh, it was everything it was like yeah. mall do they call it molly now i think, I think so i don't know <laughs> what do the kids call it <laughs> call it we did uh i was doing ecstasy like i would have uh competitions on how much ecstasy we could <sighs> so i would be doing like 30 pills in one time it was nuts Insane. and then saying and then to come down, you do down, and then to go up, you do meth. And I was very, yeah, I was very much into meth. Uh, I went to treatment when I was 17 for meth. Um, and I was sent to this little town in in uh, Terrace, BC. At the time, there was nowhere for teenage girls to go. There was very little places. There were little places for someone in 2000 to go to treatment. So uh, they sent me up there. And then I did the 30 days. And when I got out, my parents said, well, we sent you up there. You can get yourself back, figure it out. It's a 14 wow. hour drive. They had just read Colin Powell's book. Okay. On, okay. on Tough Love. Yeah. Colin Powell ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So did they kind of force you to, to go there or was I there? I didn't have any other options, right? Yeah. Like I was homeless. And I did it to appease them. And I had, you know, like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't, I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. You were um, 17. I was 17. Yeah. They were like, get out or go to treatment. So I went out on my own for a little bit and couldn't, I mean, it was, I was couch surfing, right? That's the reality. So yeah, I stayed up there. I went, I found a guy at a bar that lived in a trailer park. As we do. That sold the drugs yeah and that was my new boyfriend gotcha <laughs> and uh i worked at this bar called hanky pankies and i lied about my age um so i said i was 19. they did not check and i just worked there um so was it out of treatment and directly back to using or was there oh my any God. no okay. like one like like a couple weeks maybe okay yeah yeah and then um actually this is crazy my the person, one of the support workers there said to me, you're not an addict. And then she took me out drinking. No. And tried to hook me up with her 26-year-old friend. Yeah. Okay. 
that crazy. is that drives me crazy because the people that were like running my treatment center too were unqualified and it's like an entry-level job in most cases with little to no prerequisites or requirements for working there they're paying them 12 13 bucks an hour unless yeah. they have like one or two licensed people who are in the building just because you have to it's kind of frustrating she was kind of like hey you're not an addict come and party with me <laughs> let's i was go like party. okay let's go so yeah yeah, um, yeah and then Anyway, so then I I started bringing up meth from Vancouver up to Terrace on the Greyhound because they didn't have meth in Terrace there yet. So I was like, what do you mean you don't have meth? I don't want to do your expensive cocaine. I want to <laughs> yeah. do cheap meth. So uh, I was doing that. And then the dealer phoned my dad and said, you need to get her out of here. Like when I was on like 14 days awake, blacking out craziness. Wow. Um. So then I went to treatment again and I got clean for a while. I went to treatment. I went, uh, I think I was more ready then. Um, and I stayed in treatment for a year, which I think is really important to say. I spent three months in like lockdown yeah. and then I went to a recovery house where I could go in and out and it, there was more freedom, but I was still expected to stay clean and there was some accountability. So that really helped me stay clean at, at 19. And, um, yeah, I ended up getting a year clean and then I moved out on my own and New Westminster has a large Narcotics Anonymous community and I was connected really quickly to people my own age, which was important. And one person had more clean time than me that I had gone to high school with. So, and he was already in that community. So he just kind of brought me in. I stayed clean for like five years, ended up getting married, having two kids because I thought that's what you do. That's what you do. Right. And then I was looking at these people with 30 years clean and trying to like recreate their life on the out, what it looked like on the outside in order to stay clean myself. And I just, yeah. So I thought I had missed out on something. I was in an argument with my uh, partner and I didn't want to stay clean. And I made a pros and cons list and I decided to drink very quickly. It all blew up and I started working at the bars and I didn't see my kids and I started doing coke again and this time I was like bottle service and like making money and you know so there wasn't it wasn't it was easy to stay there because I was like rubbing elbows with like more famous people I was hanging out and felt this like I don't know I it the it lifestyle not, of it all it was, yeah it was like party life and yeah. uh and I was 28 so I ended up uh, getting in a car with a friend, Scott, and he and I were friends for a long time. And he uh, basically like kept me in the car for 45 minutes on a highway where there was no stops and told me how shitty of a mom I am, how awful I am, what, how I'm ruining my kids' lives, I'm ruining my life, you need to get your shit together, and dropped me off at a meeting. And then they basically pushed me out of my chair to get a newcomer fob. Um, and I was, yeah, I just came, I came back that night and that was, yeah, 11 years ago. So that's like the cold nose version. Obviously, yeah. before, like I had two more kids while I was clean. I didn't do the steps the first couple years. I went through severe mental health. I got married four months clean. He had four years. I didn't, I known him for six weeks. Um, like I had some, but my bottom didn't come until I was like three years clean. 
like a lot the stuff that I was doing in my early recovery, uh, like I had my kids removed clean. My daughter that was born when I was two and a half years clean, she was removed straight to the ministry because my ex had started using and I wouldn't leave. So like all just because we get clean doesn't mean that we automatically become like these like that's crazy. a great point. Yeah. Like it took me a lot of pain and recovery to want to actually start to recover, not just be clean. Yeah. It's like almost an emotional bottom, right? It was like crying on the bathroom floor, pregnant, not knowing what to do anymore and not wanting to live and not wanting to use and just not knowing what to do. And if I hadn't have been pregnant, I probably would have killed myself to be honest with you. Like those yeah. were the thoughts and I was in and out of psych wards and uh, it was not a good time. And like, that is what people who get clean, who have uh, untreated mental illness, untreated uh, substance abuse disorder. And uh, that's what that looks like. So I needed to, like once I had my second daughter and I started uh, doing the steps, right? And and reading literature and doing what the program is. The program isn't just meetings. Um, and then accessing outside help. So doing like DBT therapy, CBT therapy. Yes. Uh, being like counselors. The doing combination of those two is really what kept me sober. And I think one without the other successful in a lot of cases but it's just that like extra push that i needed so like outside ah. help therapy any sort of um like behavioral where you're looking at your behaviors and how they affect other people in combination with 12-step work was like the magic pill that i needed totally and it's uh it saved my life yeah it's life oh my god it, like, it literally saved my life like i cannot tell you the pain that I lived in clean because when you're using what when I'm using because I'll talk about me yeah when I'm using I, I am numbing everything yes out, you don't right? deal oh I just like fuck it I'm yeah, gonna poke or I'm gonna do a bunch of down or I'm gonna do a bunch of this or I'm gonna do a bunch of that like and I just don't or I'm at the club and I'm partying with dudes and I'm sleeping with people and I'm like like just yeah. it, but I'm not actually like I'm I'm numb so and I numb the good things and I numb the bad things and then I come into recovery and I'm not using but I'm not actually doing any work to get better so I feel all the all you the pain. feel the feels you're oh, sitting in it <laughs> sitting in it <laughs> why I chose because that's a choice right yeah. like why I yeah. chose to fight the system and like fight the system um, for so long and like, oh, it won't work for me. And then when I did it, someone said to me like very simply one day and I just heard it. She said, if you relapse and you die, I will never forgive you. And I went, oh, and they said, you, why don't you just try it? And if it doesn't work, you don't have to ever do it again, but just try it for a period of time. And I went, okay. Okay. And whatever that was in that moment, divine intervention, call it yeah. what it is, the uh, gift of desperation, I was ready. 
but, and then like shit starts happening and like you can't deny the benefits kind of thing is how I felt. So it's like you just keep going or I just kept going. And did it happen fast for you? Um, like that dip when you started like really doing the work, did you start feeling benefits like quit pretty quickly? Like right away. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. away. Like that night, because there's things off your chest, you feel like this momentum and this peace that like things could possibly get better um and whether that was a pink cloud or not like i'll take it you know if i can lay my head down at night for once and sleep um i will take it and i remember like the first meeting official kind of meeting with my sponsor that night i had like one of the best nights sleep of my life and you know it can only be attributed to that and yes i started to feel shit like that right away yeah. And I think that was the shift for me too. It's like once I started doing it, I started feeling good or I could look myself in the eye. Yes. Sure. And just not be disgusted by my own reflection. Right. Or like I could actually say something that I've done that was good. Yes. Things like like right. it was like, um, like I, or, or saying like, Oh, I'm really proud of myself for this. And then not discounting it with a bunch of other mm, shit. Yeah. So there was things like that that started happening for me or like um, when I had a, a visit with my kids and I felt like I was a good mom for that time. Mm. So like those things like really helped me stay. And I'll tell you what, like people think long term. I don't know. what Maybe people. I don't know what people think. I know that I thought <laughs> before I got clean that people with long term sustained recovery just had these like really happy, great, awesome lives. Yeah. And but the thing is, is life drives up and shit happens and stuff has happened while I'm clean. And the only difference between me and somebody who's used is I just chose not to pick up. Right. So it doesn't mean that there's no painful moments while I'm clean. There are so many fucking painful moments while I've been clean. But they the thing is, is like the good moments won't last, but the bad moments won't last and everything kind of waves. Right. So. Yes. The yeah. world is still continuing to, to move on around us with or without us. And I think in recovery, for me, it was about learning how to handle those things and not letting those things ruin my day or my week or my year if I was being dramatic. And, you know, the ability to uh, nurture my relationships differently and handle situations in my professional or personal life um, start to chip away at bad habits and create new positive habits it was like i was so naive coming into recovery because i didn't even know that like sobriety or recovery existed or that there were like tools to use or that i would learn new things and when i realized that like just not drinking was like the like just minimum but now there was this opportunity for me to like actually not be a piece of shit person i think is what excited me and like kept me going do people ever ask you now because you've been clean for a good amount of time um do people ever ask you like hey why do you still go to those things oh all the time yeah all the time and people still say like do you think you'll not drink forever still like <laughs> yeah I, I i hope yes that's the plan but I actually had a girl that I used to work with 
probably 15 years ago, send me a DM recently. I haven't talked to her probably in 15 years and said, hey, I noticed you're sober. I've really been struggling and starting to question my drinking now. Do you still go to meetings? Do you always have to go to meetings? And what what other things can I do to maybe, you know, decrease my drinking and like not have to do meetings? So I gave her my spiel. What is your spiel? Give me the quick spiel. Yeah, I said, I can let you know what worked for me. And the meetings were top priority, like probably the thing that kept me sober. Um, Meetings aren't what you see on TV. It's not dramatic, like guy with a brown paper bag and cigarettes. Like it's not the stereotypical AA. You will meet an amazing group of people. You will meet women your age. You will meet fun people, trendy people. You'll meet every all walks of life and you will connect with people on like the deepest level you've ever experienced. So if you have an open mind and you're willing to try anything to get sober or not feel like you're feeling right now, please try going to meetings and, you know, just have an open mind, go in. She was like, how do I even like find a meeting in my area? I was like, where do you live? She said, boop, boop, boop. I went, boop, 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 AA meetings and boop, boop, boop. Of course, as we all know, there are meeting calendars online everywhere. So I found her city in 2.07 seconds, copied the link, sent it to her. And that was like four days ago. So hopefully she'll keep Ah. in touch. But what I usually say is what worked for me is X, Y, and Z. If it's someone that's local, I'll usually say, this worked for me. Hey, I'll be at a meeting on Sunday night. Hopefully I'll see you there. Some of the most beautiful parts of the program, I think, is the intention behind it. So we have done our due diligence now. We have reached out to this person. They declined. So, you know, if you have to read the letter out loud and burn it or like these other things that we hear, but you have done your part and perhaps they feel as though it would be more harmful, whatever their reasoning for politely declining it's like they're mad we can move on yeah there's feelings man yeah i have a cool story about that so one time i had a boss that i stole a bunch of money from because i was um like time theft oh okay (laughs) right (laughs) time theft so um i would anyways i made this letter blah blah blah. i was gonna read it they said no uh get fucked basically and then (laughs) five years later I saw this dude on a corner while I was crossing the street and I looked and I kind of got this like immediate wave of shame, like a shame mm. storm, just like mad coming right back to yes. me. He, he said to me, he said, hey, do you still have that letter? I'm willing to read it now. Huh. And so we did. I, I read it and yeah, and there was a bunch of shit that I didn't remember that like he did remember. And then I asked if I can make a financial amends for the time. He was like, I have no idea how much time you stole and you don't either. So just make a, <laughs> a charitable donation. And I did. And, um, you know, and then like, yeah, even like, even like, like oh man, I, th- I swear to God, everything in my life that I do now, I try to have it be a living amends for something. Yes. Whether it be the charity that I run, Recovery Kids, whether it be my TikTok and trying to like seek truth, whether it be my job where I 
um, where, you know, and, and I develop programs for treatment for women, but I also run a social media company. And even in that, you'd think like, well, how do you do, how do you do a living amends in that? And it's like, really just show up and be a good person, do the next right thing. And so in my friendships, in my communication, and you know, you know me, we, I've had um, struggles in work relationships and things, right? And it's like, how do I do the next right thing to get through this? And sometimes I don't know. And then I phone other people in recovery like Nate and I go, oh, what's the best way out of this? Or what's the best way through this? And then we talk about spiritual principles and spiritual principles are never in conflict with each other. Yeah, and you that's true. We have had a, several of those conversations where it's like, sometimes my best judgment is not the, not the right thing. I need to talk that crazy out sometimes just saying it out loud and hearing the words and I'm like, okay, that's fucking crazy. Right. Uh, and like laugh about shit and yeah. like, yeah, let's be honest. Like we're not like super spiritual in our conversations. <laughs> right? no, like, no. But what we do is like, is we, we help each other get through to the end. And I think, or I'm, I'm pretty, I'm very confident to say that like, yeah, we can start out with, Oh my God, this crazy shit is happening. Yeah. Yeah to getting to the end part where do I feel good with this decision? Is this the right thing? Am I living in integrity? And is this the best solution to what's going on? And yeah, I think you've done that for each other. I do too. A hundred percent. That's a great point because I think, you know, we find these other ways or not. We, we see multiple ways to sobriety. AA is not for everybody. Drug taper methods, not for everybody. Cold Turkey is not for everybody. But I think of all these, you know, paths to recovery, one of the constant is community. And you have to have people that you can go to who get it, who have the shared lived experience that perhaps your therapist or, you know, your PCP primary care doesn't it's that shared lived experience and having people that you can go to, I think is the commonality of, of recovery. You and me have different programs. You do AA, I do NA. They are different, right? So Great point. Yeah, are they? They'll have, well, are they different? I don't I know. Think, but they, I mean, the steps are all the same, right? Yeah, but you guys do the steps through the big book and we do the steps through a written guide. There's There are differences Got to the it. program, but I think... Uh, and there's differences in like the literature and the language that we yes. use, but the commonality is that there's one person and another person that both have substance abuse disorder that have gotten clean, sober, call it whatever the fuck you want to call it, and abstinence. We've we're in the process of recovering, and there's a um, connection or community, and there's uh, and and connection is the antidote to alcoholism to addiction. Yes. So that's the biggest piece and that's what i hope people find when they um decide to get sober is that there's a there was a void that i felt and the cure for that i know people are like oh higher power and spirituality and god and done da, 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 da. for me that void was filled through connection and um and so i hope that i can give that connection to other people too I do want to say this too. Like I was stuck in a fucking block radius, like a three block radius. Couldn't leave my house was super cracked out at like the very, very end. And I would have tea towels under my doors. And cause I thought someone was coming in for me and, or listening to me. Yes. I can go from that 
to traveling 29 cities in 20 before right before covid and like you know and having a record and being able to go to the states now and all the things that have happened and fulfilling my dreams and doing these things and connecting with almost a hundred thousand people on a social network and doing this shit when I couldn't leave my house. I didn't want to see anyone. I thought people were like, it, the, your dreams that you think that you have that you could never aspire to, you can do, it, it will be below your mind. Like I got there and then it was like 10 exit. So like, just don't limit yourself either. And if you have, some clean time and you're listening and you're struggling reach out for help because sometimes it's the people like I shared earlier that have clean time that that need the help too and it's That's okay so true that is so help. true yeah even you know you're helping with the coursework and and the group work that you're doing you know I talk to hundreds of people on the podcast on social media and I'm so grateful that we get to maybe be a little part in someone's recovery, but we're still working on our own damn recovery too every day. Right. And people reaching out or asking me when I have to kind of like go back in my library and think about those feelings or, you know, offer my experience to them that helps so much. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you think you're being a burden, you're not, you're actually exactly. Helping. Yes. I was going to say Rolodex because I'm ancient. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking when I was saying that. <laughs> they were so fun. The little like twisty ones on the desk. I loved them. Gosh. <clears throat> Alexis, tell people where they can find you online. And yeah. oh, also about your little group work. I want to hear about the group work you're doing. Okay. So I uh, developed an online um and I developed an online course. It sounds crazy, but I did it online through Zoom. Uh, and you can do it for, it's an eight week program. And you show up, it's two hours a day, super easy, right? And uh, and it's for people that can't necessarily get to treatment. So people that are parents, people that are working, people that are, do the right? They cannot get away. Um, people that can't access due to financial needs because like two grand is a lot less than 20 grand, but. right? fuck so it's, um yeah so it's, it's and it creates community and a group of people so i do that i developed it i'm currently running it for a treatment center um and i am giving well not giving it i am talking with other offering. Treatment centers about <laughs> offering it um and then um but it's actually been really successful and uh people are staying clean through it so it's like super awesome so also good. there's they're offering it to people on the wait list that they can go in so smart list for free before they get into treatment because there's a massive wait list so that Love way that. there's accountability and before they get in um and i dig that um yeah what else i don't know you can find me on alexis nicole official um that is on instagram and on tiktok if you want to dm me do it through instagram if you just want to reach out and you're going through something and you need to independent ear unbiased i'm always around um yeah perfect well alexis i'm so grateful that our paths crossed and i think hey, we work I know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks libby lou, libby lou. <laughs> so much more to come though i love 
our professional, we have a great rapport professionally and I could talk to you on the phone all day and we've got a great personal connection. So, so grateful to have you in my life. So much more to come. Thanks for finally coming on the Sobriety Diaries and sharing your story. I'll link everything when in today's you tell show me notes. To do something, I just do it. Nate. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes. okay. <laughs> when yes. <and> when. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will link all of Alexis's info in today's show notes. Let's talk soon, my friend. Thanks so much for listening today, friend. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check today's show notes for all the information discussed in today's episode and how to connect with our guests. Until next Wednesday, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, everyone.